Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show. It is your post-game review for the second semi-final at this year's World Cup, where we've just seen France book their spot in back-to-back World Cup finals by beating Morocco 2-0, ending the Morocco fairy tale for this time round at least. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host. I'm joined once again by the wonderful Rich Amofo. Rich, how are you feeling? Hey Jack, yeah, really good, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm a bit gutted, I'll be honest. I know there's going to be plenty of French fans listening to this who will be like, we don't want this kind of bias at the start of a podcast, but I'm always sad to see a fairy tale end. And so uh, this Morocco team have been the story of the tournament in so many different ways, you know, not just in terms of how brilliant they've been defensively, but their ability to get out of their own half, their ability to split teams open on the counter. And, you know, I, I think, Rich, the thing for me is this game, when Teo scored after five minutes, you're looking at it and going, oh, no, is this all going to fall apart? This patchwork Morocco defence where so many players have been injured. Again, was originally in the starting lineup. He is pulled out before kickoff. Saïs limps off after 20 minutes. Mazraoui's pulled at halftime. You're looking at it and going, well, it's really held together by thread at this point, the Morocco line. But it never broke. And, and I think that's the kind of weird thing. If this had been 3-0 and all three goals have been scored in the first half, be like, oh, it was maybe just a step too far. But it doesn't feel like that because of the way that this game played out. Yeah, that 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 twenty five minute spell, you know, the five minutes just before the game when uh, Aguerd had to, was ruled out through injury, to then conceding within the first five minutes, to then losing Roman Saiz in the twentieth minute, you're thinking, you know, this this might be a very long evening for Morocco. But but as you said, they're able to hold it together, whether it's through um, you know momentum, strength, will of mind, and that collective ambition to just make things happen and obviously well done by the crowd as well and as you say they lost Ma- Ma- Masruri at half time and you're thinking gosh again you know just not going for them but then all of a sudden this this surge this wave of attacking play and this wave of of just ambition for Morocco I mean in the second half was just fantastic to see and it obviously it looks sad as a, a step too far for them and France's quality showed at key moments of the game but the way Morocco just didn't didn't bottle it and didn't just like, okay, you know, we've lost our key players, so we're just going to just roll over and die. You know, this this performance was was what we expected to see from Morocco all through. You know, you know never say die attitude. We're going to fight for every ball. But also that sprinkling of quality as well to, to create openings and create opportunities as well. So fair play to them. Of course, you know, we had the expected result in the end, but Morocco did push them all the way and it was great to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think what's interesting is it was two really impressive managerial performances, I, I thought, across the kind of board. And you look at this and Morocco was set up tactically in a five at the back to begin with, which didn't quite go to plan. Obviously, they then had to shift shape, partly because of game state and the fact that they were 1-0 down, but partly because I imagine they were looking at it and going, right, that isn't working. What can we do and what we can do is go back to the way that we played in previous games and then that did work so it needs to be given some real credit it was a bit of a tactical masterclass in that regard from Walid Ragraghi to make those changes and to if it to pay off but also I thought from Didier Deschamps because he made some changes now there has been some talk that these were forced upon him but he changed Adrian Rabiot um, and obviously Upa Meccano for Canate uh, and Fafana in the midfield. And you look at those kind of changes and you think, well, what are those changes supposed to do? Your left centre-back and your left defensive midfielder 
brought in, I imagine, to free up Teo Hernandez to spring forward down that left-hand side, get up there in support of Mbappe. And within five minutes, he's put the ball in the back of the net by being in the right place at the right time. And you just go hat off to the Deschamps for those decisions. Yeah, you know, f- fair enough. I think um, Rebio and Upamecano, you know, not feeling too well. I think there's a bout of flu, but there's probably uh, a kind of a, a lucky stroke there in bringing in Konate in that, you know, I feel Konate is probably the better defender of the two um, between him and Upamecano. I mean, we saw, you know, his decision-making uh, against England and always trying to sneak in front. And we saw how he was he was left behind on a couple of occasions. And just felt Konate was just a bit more assured, a bit more composed at the back. And his presence obviously made a key difference. And again, the same in midfield as well with, uh, with Fofana. I mean, I think from a French perspective, they would want to see Rabiot back in there just for, you say, I think he's, he's better in the ball, helps keep the ball moving, helps circulate play slightly better. But I mean, Fofana did play very well. And as you say, that defensive now on that left-hand side to allow Teo Hernandez to, to push up the field. They say what worked well for them. And you say, you know, within the first five minutes, he was able to get in the box on the end of a cross and, and, and give France the lead. So you turn around and say, look, it's worked for them. And whether it's something they stick that they keep in the final will be interesting to see. But um, no, inspired from both managers, to be fair, uh, as you say, even you mentioned Walid Raghagi then, you know, making his, his changes in, in the game and keeping Morocco in the game as well was, again, inspired from him as he's been throughout the whole tournament. So yeah, it was, it was a really good managerial display from both of them. And um, you say, when you're that top level and you know, these decisions make make a huge difference and um, you know ultimately it wasn't Morocco's day but you know still the managerial changes did help yeah I, I think that's pretty much spot on when you look at this and I think Morocco will look at this and think look back at both goals and I'm not saying that they were lucky because you make your own luck in the final third but they've come off two ricochets that have fallen kindly for for a France player. Now, obviously, you've got to be in those situations. You've got to be alert enough to them to make sure that you're in those positions. And also the fact that Kylian Mbappe gets a shot off on both accounts, I think, is, is important because it does mean that the ball is travelling in that kind of direction and the chances of you picking up scraps are higher. But Morocco will look at them and go... What can you do when luck's not on your side? Because those could have fallen anywhere. They could have ricocheted out of play. They could have ballooned behind. They could have gone in a different direction. Instead, they've landed perfectly at the feet of Teo Hernandez and Randall Kolo Mouani, who'd only been on for about 15 seconds when it when it landed <laughs> at his feet. And and those are the, the two goals that have changed the game. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, you look at it and think, you know, why you know, you think you're being unlucky or why are these things not falling for us or in France's favour have got that luck. But as you say, I'm a big believer in making making your own luck. And I think, I think I've spoken before, France having that know-how, being in, obviously being in this position before and scoring goals at key, key times in the game. So, you know, they would have known that Morocco would have had the wave of support behind them to get in that early goal. And I think it's something that they, they wanted to do. Getting the early goal was key. So it really just halted Morocco's momentum. Um... And, you know, help, help settle France down as well. And then, of course, you know, they had to weather a storm in the second half. And again, similar to the England game, weathered the storm, but got another goal just at a key time, just to kind of take the wind out of the opposition sails, really. So, OK, you can look at, look and say it's lucky, but, you know, if it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't for Ricochet, you know, I would have expected France to score um, through another means anyway. Um, and of course, look, you, yeah. you, you have to be there. You have, you have to follow up. You've got to be there. You've got to be in it to win it and put those chances away. So, no, it's, it's a fair place. I think, Rich, you've got to talk about Antoine Griezmann because it was another masterclass today from him. And, and look, he's had kind of differing roles throughout this tour. 
tournament, depending on the kind of way that the game is playing and, and the way the game is playing out. But I thought tonight we saw uh, a complete number eight performance from Antoine Griezmann. This is the role he's basically played in. Maybe it was a little bit more of a 10 today because there were two defensive midfielders behind him. But the amount of defensive work rate he got through, you wouldn't be buying that whatsoever that he'd played as, <laughs> as a number 10 today. And, and I think we've seen this throughout the tournament. He was everywhere. Whenever he wasn't bailing out his centre-backs, making important blocks in his own penalty area, linking up play in, in the final third, delivering these nice passes out to the wingers in order that they could get into those ascendancy positions. And also driving with the ball himself, which we actually haven't seen all that much of, I don't think, mm. during this tournament. You know, picking the ball up and actually pushing France into the opposition half. And and when they were under siege for that first 20 minutes of the first of the second half, it did feel like Griezmann was the only player they could get France out of there. Mm. And it's just another notch in the box for Antoine Griezmann. I, you know, we know that and uh, that Lionel Messi has had four Man of the Match awards in in this tournament, but Antoine Griezmann has been France's best player and pretty much every single game I've watched them in in this tournament that he's played in. Yeah, I have to agree. He's been phenomenal in this tournament. Definitely one of the best players, if, if not the best player. I mean, obviously everyone will say Messi, but when you look at what Griezmann has, has brought to the side, they say both on and off the ball, it's really been a clinic. And I remember talking just after the Poland game about Griezmann's qualities, not just on the ball, but off it as well, you know, to say winning a tackle on the end of his box or making an interception. And then within five to 10 seconds, he's, he's at the other end, whether it's for a one-two, he's popped the ball up wide or he's getting beyond the front man or finding space in between the lines to then play through Mbappe or Giroud or someone like that. It's 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 been a phenomenal display, and it was again you know the same today. As you, as you mentioned, when France were under the caution, they needed that that kind of out ball. They were able to fair play. They were able to find him when you do make the space for yourself. You have to be found, as we saw for the uh, for the first goal when Varane found him as well. But in in those moments of games, you need your key men to really step up, and you know sometimes it's not all about throwing yourselves into challenges. It's not all about that kind of you know die hard mentality. Sometimes it's just about having that moment of quality to read the game, whether it's for an interception or for a block, and then as you say, alleviating pressure through whether driving of the ball with the space which Monaco, um, Monaco which Morocco <laughs> vacated, um, or or playing that right pass as you say, whether it's to one of the wide men or to the front man. And yeah, the all round performance has been fantastic and. So you say, fight the tournament, he's been phenomenal. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, agreed, agreed. There's a couple of comments here, so I read them out. Um, Alex says, Allez le bleu, uh, which is fair enough. You are in a back-to-back -back World Cup finals, Alex. I completely agree with you. Um, but one from Justin, which made me laugh, he said, uh, France finally didn't concede a penalty. <laughs> well, France finally didn't concede as much as concede a penalty. This is obviously the first game in this World Cup where France have actually kept a clean sheet. Not a bad time to drop that one. Um, no, exactly. not, not a bad time to be like, okay, cool, but... But, you know, there, I think that there will be high. And we can move on to, you know, the next steps, I think, for, for both of these teams. And we'll start with France, naturally, with it being the World Cup final, is that there were opportunities created today by Morocco. Maybe the final touch wasn't there. That little bit of quality lacking in the final third from, from Yusuf Nassiri, who's, you know, obviously had that moment against Portugal, but didn't quite step up to the plate today, I, I thought. But if they can see those kind of opportunities to Argentina there are going to be consequences, I'd imagine. And that will be a worry for Didier Deschamps. 
Yeah, I think we've seen in, in most of the games that they've played, you've been able to get up front, especially, you know, uh, for all of Teo Hernandez's attacking qualities, we've seen a lot of teams target him defensively. We saw England did that and, you know, Saka gave him the runaround. We saw it today as well. Um, you know, he, he was under the cost for, for, for most of the game, especially in that, that period in the second half. Same as Kunde as well. Um, you know, we saw that against Poland as well. I thought Kunde game. played well today, to be fair to him. Yeah, he, he did. He did. He did hold his ground, did hold his ground very, very well. Um, but as you say, we've seen France got at in inverted commas. You know, teams have been able to, to create chances against them. Um, and as you rightly say, you know, maybe Morocco got into those positions well, but just lack that quality when it really mattered. We've seen already in this tournament that Argentina are not messing around, especially the form that Messi's in, the form that Julian Alvarez is in, when they are going to get in, in those positions. And they will, they will get a chance. You know, it's very likely that they, you know, they'll show more quality and be deadly. So it's something that, um, you know, Didier Deschamps will need to think about. Of course, great time to get your first clean sheet, but... You know, as you say, they were under the cost for, for large parts of the game and against a better side, will they be able to, you know, be be, be, uh, be penetrated? You know, you just it remains to be seen. But um, as you say, always a good time to get a clean sheet going into a final, give them confidence to, you know, progress in that area. But it's something that they will need to sharpen up on for sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I still don't think we've seen the best of France, right? It still felt, I think, throughout this tournament that France have gears to go. And yet we've never really seen them shift into them. And the fact that they're winning these games without doing that is a massive credit to them. You know, They deserve all the compliments in the world for that because they're managing to see games out when they're not the better team at times. They're managing to score goals when they're under the cost to release those valves. They're managing to just like to manage games, actually. Mm. It's probably the phrase best of all. France know exactly what they're doing. They have the nous, they have the know-how. And that's the major advantage I think they have over Argentina. The pressure is off. They are you know, world champions and in, in some ways being world champions and then getting to the final is kind of credit in itself. Uh, and so therefore all the pressure kind of piles onto Argentina, mm. especially with this messy narrative. Mm. Um, obviously France will, will look at that and think that's, that's a major positive. And the fact that we've been able to just get through games, no matter how we've played is, is another major positive going into the final for them. Sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. And I know it's as simple as, it sounds, sounds really simplistic, but as you rightly say, again, you know, they've just been able to manage games, get through games without being overly spectacular. But again, it's having that know-how. They've been here before. And as I said earlier, scoring goals at key parts of the games to just really change the game state has been really, really impressive. You know, when they're on top, they score goals. And um, when they're under the cost, they seem to weather the storm and then, and then go and get another goal anyway. So... You know, and of course, you know, this is a side who, you know, they deserve credit. You know, they've been rocked by, by numerous injuries. You know, Pogba, Kante, Kimbembe, Benzema, Kunku, Lucas Hernandez, you know, just to name, you know, I think that's, that's most of them, I think, apart from Mike Magnan, but of course, is a um, backup goalkeeper. But when you're looking at a side, as you say, not playing spectacular football, but they're doing just enough and they're showing that they have that know-how to get through the game, score goals at key times, and, and be resolute when, when they are under pressure. And that's what you need to in tournaments. Sometimes you don't need to win, beat teams 3-4-0. It's just about getting the job done. And that's, that's what they seem to be doing. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. Um, let's move on to Morocco and that third, fourth place playoff. Now, Morocco have already made history, we know, by becoming the first African team to get to a semi-final of a men's World Cup. Um, but equally, they will want to go on and finish this in style, I think. You know, there, there's an element of they'll want to put the cherry on the top of what has been an incredible performance, an incredible 
will run to this point. So how do you face a game like a third, fourth place playoff? Because it's a strange one, isn't it? You're obviously out of the World Cup in, in inverted commas, but you still have a game to play. And Croatia will be feeling exactly the same, I imagine. But you kind of look at it and go, what, what's at stake here? But to become the first CAF nation to podium place, if you will, I think it's probably enough of a kind of carrot on its own for this Morocco side. Yeah, exactly. You know, they've come this far and of course they'll be really disappointed to go out at, at this stage, but that, you know, they know that, you know, they've got the weight of their support behind them. They've had a great tournament. I just fear that it might be a step too far for them in that they have so many injuries now. Yeah. And of course they've given everything today either to then right you know to try and rise up against a Croatia side who again have got their own narratives I mean of course you know Luka Modric bowing out at the top level for example you know he's not gonna want to go out on a defeat and we know how well that they can control the game as well um so it'll, it'll be a really interesting contest not, not not just because of that but of course you know we've seen in these games that teams do make a lot of changes so what what are we expecting to see whether you know but saying that you know I do think Morocco will play their strongest side just because as you say the opportunity to podium at a World Cup coming this far you know I think they're going to want to go I say not all the way in inverted commas but really you know to get that third place would just be absolutely huge for them for African football as well um so yeah I I want I expect to see Croatia make a few changes um but I think Morocco will go full strength for you know Injuries yeah, aside. as much as they have. Yeah, exactly, and um, and yeah, and, and really go for it as we've seen. It'll be a shame if they if they didn't. Um, be a shame if they made a lot of changes and lost that rhythm. So yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Just from that perspective, you know, whether they can get that third place, it'll be great to see. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be a full blooded encounter and probably more entertaining than the nil nil that they played out right at the start of this tournament. <laughs> those two teams, mm. of course. Um, right, just a last point. We have a World Cup. Up final, Argentina against France. Narratives galore. Obviously, the last time these two met in 2018, we saw that 4-3 play out, which was a hell of a game. Although I think it's been made out slightly better than it was because Argentina scored that third one, obviously, in the dying seconds of the game. It was it was pretty done and dusted long before maybe it makes it sound on the scoreline alone. But what are you expecting from this final? Because it does on paper feel like a pretty sensational one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mouth-watering, especially, you know, of course, as a neutral, you want it to kind of have a similar feel to that to that 4-3. Um, but I, I think we'll see a game where both teams will go for it, really. I think, as we've seen France, you know, kind of score goals at key times, as I've said, and we've seen Argentina, who, you know, have been resolute at the back and saved the genius of, of Messi um, and, and, and the resolute midfield as well. Um It'll be interesting to see if Argentina will set up as they did in the semi-final with the four central midfielders because so they, you know, that helped them to, to really control the game. And if they want to do that against France, then they may have to set up in a similar manner. Um, and then it's just about stopping you know, Griezmann. It's about stopping Mbappé. It's about whether Giroud can get the better of, of their two centre-backs. It's whether Messi can, can really, you know, the narratives, as you say, galore, can really galvanise his nation one last time and get his hand in that trophy. I mean, there's so many storylines here. It'll be such an interesting tactical battle, how, how both sides will, will set up. Um, but really mouth-watering. As I say, I think both teams will go through it. I don't think it'll be as high-scoring as, as before, but... Um, I think we'll see something spectacular or not just something. I think we'll see 
you know, the, the big players coming to the fore. Um, that's what you want, isn't it? You don't want anyone, yeah. you don't want it to be decided on a mistake or a referee decision. You want to see it ended on the moment of brilliance. And I, I, that's what I think will happen. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people touting it as Messi versus Mbappe. Um, personally, on, on the basis of this tournament, I'm, I'm billing it as Messi versus Griezmann uh, with Mbappe <laughs> and Alvarez playing supporting like roles. Although I know, yeah. no, no, I've said that. We're going to get Mbappe hat-trick on Sunday. Yeah. So I don't know why I've just jinxed the game. Um, <laughs> right, that's all we've got time for here on the Athletic Sox Show. All that's left for me to do is say thank you to you all for tuning in as ever. Thank you so much to Mr. Richard Mofa. Uh, no, thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's been a great fun as always. Yeah, it's always fun with the two of us, Rich. I've been Jack Collins. This has been the FX Soccer Show, and we will see you on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs>